Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash improv noise. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Titles such as The Best of Second City, featuring the best sketches in Second City history, and bossy bands, Tina Fey's autobiography narrated by Tina Fey herself. This is Improv Noise. And in order to get started, we need a suggestion of something you can't do. Hey guys, this week we sit down with Alex Berg from UCB LA. Enjoy. What we're what I'm curious with, how, are you improvising a lot still? Yeah, constantly. All right. Uh, what are you thinking about when you improvise? No, absolutely nothing. Okay, like, well, that's... That, that's my like, mind could not be blanker when I'm on stage. That's ideal, right? Uh, for me, it is. You know, um, I think everybody's kind of got their own approach. Uh, but, you know, I like to... Uh, I think I tell my students all the time, and this is advice I should take more myself, is like, you know, I try to do my thinking when I'm not on stage. Right. Like, when I'm... Like when I teach, and you know, Stefan can attest to this. Like I don't even laugh because I'm just fucking analyzing everything, um, you know. And when I watch shows, I don't laugh. You That's, know, I just I sit there and I nod. And if something's like objectively funny and it's really funny, maybe I'll like snort out my nose or something. I'll do like a, just a, you know, like a quick exhale or something like that. That's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, people don't like it. You would only laugh during my scene. So sad. Yeah. You didn't laugh at anyone else. The only I was actually shocked. There was one scene on the last day of class where I couldn't stop laughing. (laughs) We all couldn't. It was great. It was great. It was a great scene. And they couldn't too. But I was talking to Brad about this. How it's like they were breaking, sure, but it wasn't a break that was disappointing. It was a break because you couldn't help it. Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't feel like a you know Jimmy Fallon on SNL break. (laughs) Where it was like, isn't it funny that I'm breaking? It was like, (laughs) we really can't keep this in. This comedy is great. You know, we can't help it because we're discovering it right now. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool stuff. Um, so uh, you, you aren't thinking when you're performing. You're like in that kind of like, uh, I don't know. I don't flow want to say, state. Yeah, I wanted to say flow state. Yeah, yeah, Mahali. Zensik Mahali. It's a thing I talk about all the time in class. Okay, yeah. right on. Cool. Yeah, yeah. 40 hertz. How, that's like, that's really hard to get to that place because it's almost like a lot of factors go into it. And w- what technique do you use if you're like, fuck, I'm just not feeling it right now? If I'm If I'm in a show and I'm not feeling it? Yeah. I double down on whatever <laughs> whatever I've already been doing. Like, yeah. like rather than going like, oh, I'm not feeling it. I'll make a new choice or something. To go like, nah, fuck it, man. Like the audience already, you know, like responded to this, and I don't want to like turn them off. So I'm just gonna keep getting into it. And sometimes that works out great. Yeah. Sometimes it just exacerbates the problem. Mm-hmm. But I would rather make a habit of committing to a fault than than bailing, even if it leads to a success. Yeah. Um, but like when I was in college, for instance, and this is before I, this is before I ever like studied psychology or anything, but, um, you know, I think a lot of people intuitively know what that flow state is. Uh, and like something I'll tell a lot of my classes for students who are having a hard time kind of getting to that like thoughtless place, Mm -hmm. um, is like, go play Tetris, like go play Tetris or like Gradius three or like super hexagon, you know, or any of those like games where you get to a point where there's just so much shit coming at you that you do not have time to think about anything except for the game. And even the game you're not thinking about, you're just acting on reflex. And even though, like, you're not improvising when you're playing Tetris, you know, like, or anything like that, 
but uh, that creates a familiarity with that sort of state of consciousness, and then it becomes easier when you're on stage to kind of know how to nudge yourself towards it. Yeah. If, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. It's how to let go of anything that you're holding on to, maybe. Yeah, yeah, you know. And, like, it's been a thing for me for years where, you know, I, I have an anxiety disorder and I'm just a fucking nutcase in general. Sweet. Um, yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm pretty rad, ladies. <laughs> Sound like an improviser to me. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but, like, being on stage and teaching, honestly, as well, uh, is always the thing where it's like, great. Every all the other bullshit just fucking melts away, and all I've got to do is this right now. Like said, it's so it's such a relief for me to be on stage. That's like a relief not to be thinking that. It like I'm I I I just I fall into it a little bit more easily now than I used to. Did you notice a moment, or was there like sort of epiphany moment where you realized, oh, I don't really think anymore when I play? Because there was a while where you were in your head when you played, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there still are times. You know, it's not like uh, my batting average is nowhere near a thousand. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, I'd say, like, more so than there being a moment when I realized I wasn't thinking, it was when people would talk to me about shows afterwards, and I would realize I had zero memory of of the scene they were talking about. (laughs) Um, And, you know, at that moment, that was like, oh, I guess I I just wasn't there in in a functional sense, you know, like I wasn't processing it and storing it. And then, you know, if someone mentions enough detail, they'll jog my memory, and I'll be able to go back through most of the show. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it just kind of, it became reflexive after a while. And I think it took a while to get to the point where it was reflexive. And I think that's totally natural, you know? And I think a lot of people who start out doing improv get frustrated that it's not reflexive for them right away. And, you know, it's like, well, yeah, it's not going to be, it's like the 10,000 hours thing. I'm like, 10,000 hours is like 20,000 heralds, you know? (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, so it takes a while. Yeah. I I find it, uh, it's almost like trying to go to sleep. It seems like you can like. Tell someone, yeah, you just go to sleep, and then you sleep, right? But you can't really tell someone how to go to sleep. No, and I wish you could, because I fucking suck at falling asleep. Seriously? Yeah. Yes. I am, I am like, I'm not, you know, I'm not like a brilliant guy or anything, but like, I'm pretty adept if I try to figure something out, at like putting my mind to it and being like, hey, you know what, like, unless it's like something that involves any kind of physical coordination. But uh, I'll be like, oh, I can figure this out and wrap my head around it. Not sleep. Sleep, like, my medicine cabinet back home is full of like just bottles and bottles of different sedatives none of which work you know like i have to i have to like get so stoned and then read for like an hour like like a book not a screen a screen will keep me up because of the, yeah, the fucking right, light right. light yeah. yeah yeah totally but uh like i have to read for like an hour and then sometimes i'll fall asleep like wow. sometimes but if i try to go to bed before like two or three in the morning i'll just be up until that point anyways <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, sleeping is funny uh, because I really you can't really recreate that. Like the whole quote unquote sleeping pills, they don't make you go to sleep. They no. just turn you unconscious for eight hours. Yeah, so which is sometimes out. all I want. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll settle for that. I don't want to. I don't want to malign Ambien or any of those guys. Yeah, no, no I'm not. But saying yeah, but it's not it the same. Thing, but you can't. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how you can't actually make someone like. You, you can't artificially make someone fall asleep. It's like something has to happen within yourself. Somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. On that note, we're seated here with Mr. Alex Burke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, guys. Yeah, from noise. What up? Uh, a, free, a frequent performer from uh, UCB Theater Los Angeles, uh, the West Coast, uh, where uh, he served as artistic director uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also is on the faculty mm-hmm. uh, and uh, is a part of a three-man uh, team called Convoy mm-hmm. and, of course, Sentimental Lady as well. Yep. Uh, he's also frequently appeared on various film and television shows. 
uh, including Reno 911 and uh, Mansers, correct? And something to do with that? I'm just reading right here. Which I, I love. That's one of my favorite shows, dude. I love Mansers. Mansers. Uh, a very, a very, very close friend of mine was the casting director for Mansers. Nice. And when she was casting, it was like right when we started hanging out. And so she'd put me in all these episodes. And like, it's... I, I hate that show. It's such a garbage show for it's me. Gonna, it's gonna live forever. It is. It is it. to. It, it is the thing that's gonna be my legacy. And like, there's this <laughs> this one episode where I play a poop donor for fecal transplant procedure. I think I remember that. Episode. And like, I didn't even tell my family I was on Mansers. Like, I wasn't embarrassed. I was just like, this isn't. You know, it's like I was like 2008. I've been out in LA for a few years. I was like, this isn't the thing I want to tell them. Like, hey, ma, I made it. You know. Yeah. Um. And I got a phone call from my dad one day. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And he's like, uh. Hey, your your grandmother called me and she thinks she saw you taking a shit on television. <laughs> Did you do that? And like he wasn't upset, he was just curious, you know. And I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I was on the show Mansers. He's like, Okay. And I was like, Why was grandma watching <laughs> Mansers? <laughs> like that's the mystery to me. We were all getting together watching our weekly Mansers yeah. when we couldn't find <laughs> Were you on that show? She really uh, needs to know like which nationality girls would be the most likely to give you head in a bar. Uh Austrian? Austrian, yeah. Austrian. Yeah, 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 I was in that episode. That was my first that. episode I ever shot. Yeah, what, what was your favorite reenactment moment of Mansters? Oh, being on set? Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or what was the favorite? Re- like, it was all reenacting, essentially, to, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, to yeah, a yeah. voiceover guy, right? Um, yeah, and the voiceover guy's the fucking pits. He's always like, don't you wish you knew who could gargle your balls the most efficiently? Tune in on Mansers next week. And it's just like <laughs> fucking, yeah, I just I hate it so much. But yeah. um, I'd say my favorite moment on set was there was one episode where they were talking about how Bonobo... Um, apes or bonobo chimpanzees I guess um, will trade food for sex and so I got to do a scene with a chimpanzee in drag uh, and oh. I got to play with a baby chimp on set before the baby chimp wasn't in the show the trainer just brought a baby chimp because he was like well everyone will love this <laughs> um, so I got to play with a baby chimp while I was waiting for my shot and then my shot uh, they were just a, literally a monkey in a wig and a shitty dress like <laughs> you know, like that, like at a car window. But there were all these rules like, you cannot make eye contact. And it was basically like, if you make eye contact, the monkey will rip your arms out of their sockets. And then at some point, Holy something shit. happened where he like like jumped in or like slammed on like the side of the car or something. And it was actually kind of terrifying because <laughs> I was just like, there was a camera on one side, so I didn't even have an escape route. Um, and this monkey was just getting excited, you know, like, and I was just sitting there like shitting my pants, like, because part of me, I love animals so much. Like, I just, I love David Attenborough. I, I like studying that shit. Um, so part of me was like, well, you know, if if I do get my arms ripped out by a monkey, that's kind of great. Yeah. But also, I don't want I don't want to be the next grizzly man. You know, like no one's <laughs> right. no one's trying to make that happen. Also, to me, I also look at an ape as like the most primal, physical, emotional side of of who I am. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, I think of you so, as very ape like. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you. definitely. I feel if I ever got into a fight with an ape, he would win. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the the part of me I have to become ape like in a fight. But <laughs> yeah. he's already an ape, so he's, he's one up on me. Yeah. No, I tend to throw my feces at the first sign, <laughs> first sign of an altercation. I saw that. That was weird. But I, oh fuck it, I was into it. I yeah. Was hey like, man, let's do it. What are you gonna do? Nothing. Nothing. I did nothing. <laughs> and uh, terriers too. Real quick. Oh yeah, that's terriers, a show you were involved which with, right? I I want to go on record as saying is a great show. My involvement with it has absolutely zero to do with it being great. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, terriers came about because the uh, the creator Ted Griffin, who's also the screenwriter of Ocean's Eleven, mm. um, and and Ravenous and uh, like a bunch of stuff. Um, but. Uh, 
he was taking uh, 201 at UCBLA with Will McLaughlin, um, and him and Will McLaughlin and another friend like wound up at a convoy show one night, and literally the next day we get an email from Ted's assistant at, at FX. She was like, hey, uh, Mr. Griffin would like to set up with a meeting you guys to show you a pilot he's working on. We're like, okay. So we went down there, and the day in question we went down there, I was having like the worst diarrhea of my life. Like I wound <laughs> up going to the emergency room because I was so oh worried about this diarrhea. What did, you, we, what did you eat? What was it? Well, the, the leading theory, and this is, this is again a little bit of a tangent, but the, the leading theory is that I had a, um, a couple months before this incident, I had found a dead sea lion on the beach, oh, no. and I had snuck out in the morning and uh, cut its head off with a kitchen knife and brought it back to clean it and, you know, like, present it, yeah, like, you know. Of course. Why would, because why would, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's pretty logical. Present it to, what do you mean present it? Just, like, have it on my bookshelf. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have, like, a lot of skulls and stuff in my apartment. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I have, like, the predator. Yeah, yeah, I have, like, an African bison skull, I have a cattle skull, I have an octopus in a jar, I have an octopus in Lutz, wow. Lucite, I have a, a replica velociraptor skull. Wow. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you were out head hunting. Yeah, so I was head hunting. <laughs> um, but so to clean the skull, I had to do something called cold water maceration. And I basically, which basically means I had the skull sitting in a tub of water in my bathroom for like six months while bacteria did all the dirty work. <laughs> uh, and so the leading theory is that I got some bit of nasty bacteria while handling the skull and it just turned me inside out for a few days. That's crazy. Jeez. So we go watch, watch this pilot of Terriers. And uh, the entire time I'm in like a flop sweat, you know, and it's just like, you know, it's bad. And the pilot finishes, and uh, Ted walks into the room, and he's like, what'd you guys think? And we were like, uh, that was really good. It was really good. You know, it's like Donald Logue and Raymond James, like that first scene where they're just like doing the small talk about the towels was such like a memorable, weird moment. And, you know, it was just all the shit with Mickey Gosney was so great. Um, and he was like, yeah, cool. Do you guys want to be on it? And we were like, oh. Like, we didn't even know that was that was the intention <laughs> right. behind the meeting. We didn't. We had no idea what was going on. We're just like, yeah, we'll go to a meeting. What, what's the matter? You know? <laughs> right. Um, we're like, yeah, we'll be on it. And so... He wrote us parts, um, and we were basically the lone gunman of Terriers. Nice. And uh, he wanted originally to use our our names, uh, the character names would be Berg, Fernie, and Fasten. Nice. Um, And I got a text message from him one night while Fernie and I were driving back from a UCB Torco show in San Diego. And he was like, hey, is it cool if we use your last names? And Fernie and I talked about it, and we were like, no, you know, we'd rather not. Um, And he goes, okay, well, just send me the names you want to use. And Fernie and I go like, oh, we get to name our own characters and Todd's not here? This is a golden opportunity. <laughs> so uh, we thought about it for a little bit. And we started with the starting point was, what's the ugliest word we can think of for <laughs> Todd's character? Which is why his character is named Gunt. <laughs> uh, and then we named we named our characters after buildings from our college campus. So nice. I was Blodgett because that was the psych major's building. Fernie was Swift because that was the history major's building. And Todd was gone, and he had no idea any of this happened. That's funny. So the first day of shooting, we get to set, and Todd goes to his trailer, and it says, Todd Fasten, Gunt. <laughs> and then he sees our trailers, and it's like these buildings from campus. He's like, what? What is that? And Fernie and I are like trying to play it cool, and we're like, yeah, no, you, you liked art history, so we gave you Gunt. That was the art history building. And he was like, I don't remember Gunt. <laughs> like, pretty sure it was Gunt Hall. <laughs> and then, like, eventually it came out. And he was like, "Ah, oh, god damn it!" <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you do you do that often in when you improvise when you fuck with other people on stage? Is that something you go for? Uh, I don't strive for it. You know, like I think a lot of teams, especially teams that have been together for a while, like do. You know, and like I'd say uh, Convoy and Sentimental Lady both. Like we certainly all call each other out. Like when someone flubs or something like that. Sure. 
but it's very rare that I'll purposefully try to like undercut the intention of someone's line. Because uh, I think as as often as that pays off, the times when it doesn't, it's so destructive. Yeah, that it's just not a strategy worth pursuing to me. You know, but yeah. also it depends on the team you're playing with. Like you know, if you're sitting in with a team and that's kind of their whole deal, then you do that because that's courteous and that's the style they play. Yeah, right on. Um, but yeah, no, for me, I'm, I, I do my best to try to support the intention. That haven't been said. I'm not an incredible judge of reading the intention of what someone wants from me. And so a lot of times it just winds up nonsense anyhow. Yeah. So, uh, so on that, as far, as far as like, in, like, cause you teach a lot of students out in LA, right? You've yeah. been teaching for a while. What's like the one, like, what's the one, everyone has their thing that's like their thing. They're like, ah, that's a pro- that always happens. This is my thing that I really stress. This is the thing I'd like to see more of, improvement of, or mm-hmm. these are things I like. What's, do you have like a one really big thing that you consider like a, a thesis of, of, of how you teach, essentially? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's just getting people to make simple emotional choices. You know, like for me, personally, as an improviser, it took me so fucking long after I learned game. And it took me a long time to learn game because I had to unlearn a lot of other shit. <laughs> um, but it took me so long after I learned game to appreciate how how wonderful simple games are and how much more you can do with simple games. Because when I was younger, I was so hell-bent on proving to the audience how fucking clever I was. Right. And, like, it just takes a lot of work. And the scenes aren't as satisfying. They're not as satisfying to do. And when I watch them, they're not as satisfying. They feel fucking unnecessary and not of the moment. It feels like they have an agenda other than what's... You know, there's ego involved, which is never good. Mm. Um, You know, so my, my thing in recent years has been, like, just pick... Just all you need to start a scene is a fact about the world of the scene. There could be a fact about the character. It could be a fact about the setting. It could just be a statement of fact. Like, literally, you can start a scene going, like, I made waffles. And that's a fine initiation Boom. so far as I'm concerned. So it's establishing something, right? Yeah, just something. Because, like, you know, yes and and if this then what are both iterative rules. You know, like, they'll keep going back to that initial state of the system and building off it. So, like, it really, you know, it's going to grow no matter what you do. So mm-hmm. for me, I've never been good with premise-based initiations anyways. And so I've I've kind of defaulted this, like, well... Let's just start somewhere, and then we'll we'll figure it out as we go along. But for me, like the game starts the moment you have some kind of emotional investment in what's going on. Okay, interesting. So if it was I made waffles, you could have an emotional reaction to that. Yeah, sure. So like you know maybe and maybe it's not even huge at the top of the scene. You know, maybe it's just some going, thanks. You right. know, like that's enough. Like for me, those two lines that's enough for me to build a game off of. You interesting. Because now I'm just saying like, oh okay. So you've got this sense of gratitude because I did something nice for you. Yeah. So now we just want to try to build that sense of gratitude or knowing that your character feels a sense of gratitude when I do something nice for you, I can then invert that by doing something mean for you. Like, I made you waffles. Thanks. Uh, and I ran over the dog. Are you fucking kidding me? What is this? You know, like... <laughs> yeah, fresh syrup. Yeah, you know, as soon as, as, soon as somebody tells you something they enjoy... Uh, they've given you a roadmap to, you know, like, just dismantle them, you know, uh, which is great on stage, terrible in life. Um, <laughs> this is not life advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is not life advice. It's the opposite of that. Um, you know, so for me, it's just like as soon as someone makes a choice that their character gives a fuck about what's going on, Interesting. then the scene starts. So you that could, you, can, you can imagine how that would fill out. Like, those two lines is enough to fill out enough of the universe for you to, like, start fucking with it and playing with it yeah you know i mean i i think you know for me i think you have to add a lot more detail i think the more specific you get the richer the world gets the richer the world gets the more organic opportunities you have to respond to stuff the more that happens the more game happens to you the more effortless it feels the more satisfying it is righteous um but bodacious um <laughs> tubular but uh totally tubular bro <laughs> nice way gnarls uh, uh, but um perfect but you know uh but yeah i really do think like without 
I've seen so many teams, especially younger teams, do shows where it's like, you know, they'll have the game of a scene where it's going to be like, oh, man, these guys got to talk and rap because they're the rap guys. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, I guess the audience is having fun watching you squirm and stuff. And if you pull it off, they're thrilled for you. But, yeah. like, that's that's like showboating. You know, it's like I'd rather see someone go, like, these are the rap guys than have someone go, please don't call me that. I'm trying to get past that. You know, yeah. like, it's kind of like a simple emotional reaction to that situation. That first thing, the first game with the, here are the rap guys and they're struggling. That kind of sounds like a short form game. It kind, kind of does. Tipping the hat. Like, oh, and, you know, for me, like I did short form for years. You know, I, I, started, nice. I started doing improv when I was 11 and I didn't really ever do long form. I mean, the first time I did long form, I was 20. Okay. You know, and then, uh, and my college group did short form almost exclusively until my senior year. And even then when we did long form, like we didn't have an instructor to tell us what to and to not to do. Right. We were just kind of like, one guy had a copy of Truth and Comedy he had read, but kind of remembered. <laughs> right, right. And he was the sage yeah. of the group. <laughs> and, and like another guy had seen Harold Knight at UCB New York once Ooh. and was like trying to like parse it apart. Okay. You know? It's pretty stacked. Great. Yeah. And so like, you know, we would like we would edit by clapping, you know, like we'd do all that <laughs> bullshit. And like we really thought like plot was the thing that was supposed to drive the show okay. forward and totally. that the plots all had to intersect at the end like a Seinfeld oh, episode. Totally. Um, Interesting. That must have been very hard. It was really tough. I yeah. mean, some of some of them wound up being fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were fun to us. I'm certain if I looked back, I'd have thousands of notes for myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, just hours worth of notes being like, okay, man, let's, let's just fucking wear shoes to your fucking show. Like, let's start there, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, so... I can't remember how I got off on that fucking tangent, but uh, uh, short form. Oh, the game. Oh, like but yeah, yeah. So I think like you know when you start doing long form, what you you're if you have a short form background, your instinct is to look for these short form games that arise organically because that's that's easier. You go like, okay, this is like return it to the story. This is like party quirks or this is like rhyming couplets or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. And you sort of go like, okay, well, we organically arrived here, sure. and this is a game I know, so I can play this. Mm -hmm. But you still carry with you all the baggage of short form, which is knowing what the go-tos are in each of those like, you know, yeah. very specific scenarios. Mm -hmm. um, and so it took me a long while to grow out of that right. um, and really be like, no, no, no. Like, long form is really just about like being in the moment and responding emotionally and then following that down a rabbit hole and seeing where you go. Um Mm -hmm. So yeah, but it took a while to get to that point. Like, and I yeah. I knew that for a while before I did it. If that makes any sense. Okay. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I think I'm the same boat. I have friends. I mean, I think I think it's common. You, yeah, that sounds like a common yeah. story. I, I have friends. You, uh, I, I, I have, have friends, friends. You guys. No, yeah, I have also friends. Do. We did a lot of other improv first, short form. Mm -hmm. You know, I consider like a college short form group your gateway drug into like yeah, you know, yeah. long form. And yeah, if you it's different. A student who starts fresh versus a student who starts with like short form under their belt or some other training under their belt. One is about deep compression like mm -hmm. d d getting rid of your bad habits and one's about sort of just learning the habits from the get-go right? yeah i almost wonder which if any other is more beneficial it might even be more beneficial i think they both have their pluses and minuses i guess yeah i think the thing about short form and like um uh, one of our team members on sentimental lady did short form at boom chicago for years Susie barrett and oh, like wow. one of the skills she's gotten from that and i i say that with the utmost respect like i'm not saying like huh yeah. Susie's a short form player. Watch out for her on stage. I, I think Susie's a phenomenal improviser. But what she took away from short form, which is something I'm really envious of and I really respect, is like she can pull a laugh out of anywhere immediately. Wow. Like, she is so freakishly good at reading a room and going like, this will make you guys laugh right now. Like it's impossible to have a scene tank when you're in it with Susie because she's so good. At, and, and she plays really committed and really emotional. You know, she doesn't do it cheaply. Um but like I think that's probably the best skill set you can take away from short form is being like we need a joke right now and it has to hit right now and it has to come out of this stuff. 
Um, yeah. And I, I don't necessarily have that ability. Um, I think sometimes I stumble into it, but, <laughs> um, but I think like that's probably the best thing to take away from short form. And you know, whereas like with long form, like I think the best thing to take away from is that kind of like actorliness that sometimes get dropped in short form because you're in such a rush to get to the jokes and that sort of thing. It's like, well, why are we going to take a moment to pause? Or show this character like contemplating something, or like exactly. taking the time to make a decision. Yeah, certain forms you really can't act in. Like, how great was your acting in Mansers? Oh my god, it was uh, <laughs> probably the finest work I've done in my career. <laughs> I remember that. I remember. Oh, so good. It reminds me of a time I was I had to place myself in the role of a man donating his turds <laughs> to another man. And so I'm sitting there on set with my pants around my ankles and and my balls hanging down into a dry toilet because. Because they didn't tell me that would happen, and they didn't like give me any underwear or anything like that. I just showed up on set as I was, and there's Mike Leffingwell playing an EMS agent with a mask on, and we're both sitting there having a conversation. I'm thinking, this is art. Yeah. You know, this is art. You stumbled and, into art. Yeah, yeah. Martin Landau directed you guys, right? Yeah, yeah, several times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, what a sage. Yeah. But- <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and actually, J.D. Salinger wrote the script for No that. way. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. the answer script. It was actually was a lost... He had written the script years, <laughs> years ago. ago. <laughs> it predated Catcher in the Rye, and they dug it up, and then that's actually how Mansur started. That's yeah. why it had such a claim. Some some scholars think uh, Catcher in the Rye is like a sequel to the TV show, Mansur. I think, <laughs> you know, I think if you do a really, a really thorough critical reading of it, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I think what you find is that what Holden Caulfield learns about himself uh, <laughs> during Catcher in the Rye is similar to what an audience member learns about the world of being a dude when they watch Mansers. Mansers. You know? No, I totally. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We're obviously all smart guys. Yeah, right? yeah, we yeah. agree on this? Yeah. Uh, okay, it was like my PhD thesis all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They yeah, asked me to leave, you. but I still, I'm trying to publish no, it. No, no, no. you got to finish that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Get a WordPress blog. <laughs> I blogged it. Yeah, I self-published. Yeah. Good, good, good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, going back to the emotional choices, though, I had a problem, a phase, which I think is a relatively common phase. Puberty. Uh, puberty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I get my voices deeper. Uh, it hit me like two years ago. It was mm-hmm. crazy. Congrats. Thank you. I, I tried. Um, I have friends. <laughs> I, have, I have five really good friends. We have a basketball team. I sit on the bench. They play. <laughs> uh, 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 emotional, like there's like vulnerability that you got to get used to. It's so easy to be yeah. clever. Yeah, and yeah. I, I had a thing where I was high status for a long time. And I'm still too clever as I play. Brad may play. He knows. I play way too clever still. And I think all that is is me being uncomfortable with showing a certain emotional vulnerability in the moment, which well, is something I need to get a little bit more used to. You know, but I think that's actually a pretty common problem because I think it's um, – you know, we get this note all the time. Will Hines actually had a great blog post about this just like a day or two ago. But we get all this note all the time like, you know, react as you would in life. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah. in life, like – I'm not going to fucking open up to like some fucking stranger I met because he's like trying to sell me a duck, you know, or whatever it is. Like, you know, I'm not going to tell him what I really think. I'm going to try to end that interaction as quickly as possible so I can be on my fucking way. You have to live closed. Yeah, you really do. Like, and if you didn't, and and, you know, I always, I'm constantly tracing everything back to like, you know, psychology and evolutionary psychology because I think like, if if, if you're, if you really want to figure out why it is that way, you have to, you know, like go to the source. But, um, you know, we are fundamentally social apes and a lot of our brain is uh, our brain developed the way it did in large part um, not only because of how much visual processing we needed to do, but because of how much social processing we needed to do. Um, and there's a great David Attenborough documentary. I think it's in Life of Mammals. I think it's um, I think it's the one about primates in Life of Mammals, which is like episode mm. seven or eight. I can't remember. Interesting. Um, but he goes through and he shows a bunch of monkey skulls with little like plastic um, models of their brains next to the skulls. And he talks about how the ratio of a primate's um, brain size to skull size is a direct indicator of the size of its social group. 
And so a primatologist can pick up a skull of a primate, whether that's a Neanderthal or a monkey or like a marmoset or like a gibbon or something, and they can literally just like do a couple measurements and tell the size of the social group. Wow. And so it's like a very, it's a very linear relationship. And then you get to humans and it's like, oh, it's, that's, that's what we, our brains are built to do. So, um, so you are literally designed evolutionarily to not only read everybody else's emotions, but also to keep yours to your fucking self unless it's really going to serve an immediate purpose. Right. Mm. And so when you're improvising, you have to get past that. So that's why it's so tough to be like vulnerable on stage and stuff because you're not fighting. It's not like you have fucking hangups. You know, like you're perfect, Stefan. I am. I'm really fucking are. perfect. You're the ideal you have man. five friends. Thanks. What more do you need? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's not, you're not fighting against like any like, you know, like, oh, well, Americans are so closed off or any of that bullshit you're fighting against four fucking billion years yeah. of evolution telling you not to fucking be open you absolutely know? um and so you have to you have to get past your monkey brain and and like just back to that like completely unfiltered place which again is fantastic improv advice it's terrible life advice yeah please don't. In, in life you should be you should be closed off you should prevent yourself from having any kind of an emotional experience lest you lest you possibly get hurt or form a connection with somebody and they die like right you should really strive to just be alone as much as possible so Absolutely. that you know, shield yourself from the world um I'm winning yeah, yeah boom um charlie sheen over here uh you know but on stage like the scenes where that's the case tend right. to have nothing going on yeah, I mean, they're not as interesting. Like, if I had to watch two people interacting, I'd want to see the two people who are confessing their love to each other or dealing with a huge grief or people who are in those moments in life where you do drop your shield. Yeah. I love that. Well, that's my thing is, like, so, you know, you're when you're on stage, you're a fucking wizard. You know, like, you can literally choose a scene that goes anywhere in time and space, doesn't yeah. have to obey the laws of this fucking universe no. or any other known universe. So why, you know, like, if you're, like, you know, like tuning the the dial like you know the the tv remote of of the all cosmos or sure. whatever why would you tune in on the day when everyone's just being normal and yeah, being like oh, i don't want to talk with about a party it. cup like sup yeah, yeah, yeah exactly you know like like why why would you make that choice to tune in on that show you would there's no reason to watch that show you want to see the show where something fucking happens and it's right. interesting and part of why it's interesting is because it breaks the pattern of life which means yeah. it's unusual and, and then you know we have our, our game right um I like. I remember in class once you said, which was great. You said, "Oh, it's this old Ian Roberts quote. I've never heard it. It's why these people, why here, why now? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Those three. I'm like, that's so great. I mean, I've always, I've always thought of it as like um, uh, uh, being a fly on the wall. We should make it feel like we're watching something we shouldn't be watching. Like mm-hmm. we're not like yeah, we almost yeah. feel like we're voyeurs on yeah. something. It's good, Peter. Uh, but that's a lot great, simple way to just answer those three questions: Why these people? Why here? Why? Yeah, now? you could choose anybody. You could right. choose. Anybody? Really? So why did you choose the two dudes like standing at the porta potty, going like, uh, "Yeah, I don't know. I like this band." You know, like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that seems great. You well, know, uh, yeah. But maybe it's brilliant in subtext. But you know, these this band are my five friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are my guys. Yep. I'm a standby. <laughs> uh, so what do you think? You wanna you wanna play some? Uh, yeah. Is it time? Yeah, I think it is. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, I think I think we're doing okay with time. How does how does sentimental lady is that? Do you guys have an opening? How does that work? With uh, at this point, we um, so the main form we do is something called the pretty flower. Oh right, uh, which oh, I believe so nice. is sometimes called the delicate flower or the Spokane on right. this coast, which is 
insane to me because it was invented in LA and it was called the pretty flower and it was invented also known as the family guy sometimes yeah I see right? that I think family guys when you're doing it poorly honestly because <laughs> yeah. I think Ooh, like zing. I think I think the uh, I think the pretty flower is like such a great form for character exploration and um, and like and a lot of times it devolves into family guy where it's like hey here's a weird reference let's go on a tag run and explore it when like really the point of the pretty flower is you have the central mono scene these radiating pe- petals of character exploration coming off of them and in a in a great pretty flower when the structure really works to the show's advantage um you find out information in those petals that changes the context or in otherwise informs that central scene in a way that the audience appreciates but the characters do not you know and the improvisers appreciate it yeah interesting so giving a little bit of like uh, thickness to a character yeah exactly you know like, like you know the sort of so like with a pretty flower you know we were just saying a second ago like you know like let's see the day where they're open right with a pretty flower one of the interesting things you can do if you're really doing it well and you're playing it committed is you can still have those characters be closed off you can let the audience know their backstory. Right. So then those characters can hint towards stuff, and the audience knows exactly what they mean, but the other characters in the scene, they're still kind of in the dark. Dramatic you know? irony. Like that waffle scene, it's like, I made you waffles. And you're like, oh, thank you. Right. You can cut back to a time where... Uh, you know, like, they had a huge fight, and yeah. the whole thing was like, I wouldn't buy you a waffle iron. <laughs> yeah, something. exactly. You know, like, yeah. So, like, that's the advantage of the pretty flower. It, it, you know, in practice, it works out that way maybe 25% of the time. But I would also say, look at Heralds. How many Heralds do you see that are actually, like, great Heralds and not just fun 30 minutes of scenes? Right. right. Yep. You know, um, it's probably about the same hit ratio. All right. Um, but so, for that, we will, uh, our show that we do in L.A. is called Guilty Pleasures, and we split it into two halves. First half is just a simple montage, just like a 15-minute montage, just to get us warmed up. Um, cool. And for, for that, we'll interview an audience member about, like, a guilty pleasure they have. You know, like, we get people saying, like, oh, I like going to Disneyland by myself. Okay. Or, you know, like, rooting through people's medicine cabinets. Or okay. I, I really enjoy, like, corned beef hash from a can. You know, like, I like ska. Like, any of that sort of stuff. And then the second half, we ask people for something that they used to be into, but they no longer like. So, okay. You know, like, and we got, like, pogs. We got cocaine one time. Um, you know, like, and then off of that, we will start scene painting a space that where, where the central scene will take place. Well, we won't scene paint too much. It tends to go better when the scene painting is more, like... Keep it loose. Yeah, atmospheric and not, like, filling the room with fucking tchotchkes to play with later. Or <laughs> yeah, anything exactly. Like that. Um, and then that's it. That's all That's all the opening we do. Okay. And then uh, Convoy, do you guys take a word and go? Or do you guys yeah, we just take it? a word and go. Convoy's never done an opening. Uh, yeah, that's so awesome. Convoy kind of uh, started when we were in, before UCB even showed up in LA, uh, Convoy started in like oh, February of 05. Um, and wow. we were just like, you know, like many students are, just kind of sick of fucking doing heralds and didn't really appreciate the value of the structure yet. And, you know, we wanted something that felt more fluid. Um, and so we just started playing the way we normally play and over three or four years that, that transformed into the form we've got now. But one of the things none of us liked originally was doing openings and heralds. And I've, I've since come around on that after taking a, uh, actually an opening workshop with Matt Besser in Los Angeles, right. kind of, he had some very insightful stuff to say about, it. I was like, Oh, Oh, that's the point of a fucking <laughs> opening. Oh, great. You know? Yeah. It's easy to see bad openings. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, so Convoy's, Convoy's never had an opening. It's always just like, we'll get a word, you know, and normally Fernie introduces because uh, I can't hear a goddamn, like if the audience says something to me and offers a suggestion, <laughs> I will just say the wrong fucking word. Right. I, I think I've got that in me. <laughs> like, I, I would just be like, what did you say? Philip? It's like, yeah. no. Yeah. I'll ask for clarifications like four times and <laughs> right. still not get it. You know, like, so after a couple of years of like me doing that once in a while, I was just like, okay, Fernie's just going to introduce the show. Me and Todd will do the first scene. Hey guys, write your suggestions in a piece of paper and throw them to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Like to the point where a couple weeks ago we were doing a show and oh, what was the suggestion? Oh, the suggestion was greedy. <laughs> oh, and good one. I I heard 3D. And so I start doing a scene with Todd. I'm going like, whoa, man, it's like you're right here. <laughs> but he's going off a of greedy. And so like, you know, to Todd's credit, he was like rolling with it, but also very visibly confused as well. He should have been, yeah, you know, it's... and like, I think half the audience understood what I was doing. And the other half was like, what? Like, what? You know, so that's, you know, I just, I, I don't introduce the shows. But yeah, Convoy's always been, um, it's kind of just like a, a mutated Laronde at this point. You nice. know, it's probably the, the, it started out as a slacker, but I don't think we were ever doing a true slacker. I think we were always doing a Laronde. All right, well, cool. What's it, uh, what, do you have a preference either way? Does it feel differently performing with an opening into a set with some lady versus a word and go? Um, you know, for me, uh, I have I have such a hard time pulling a premise out of an opening. Or rather, I don't have a hard time seeing a premise in an opening. I have a hard time initiating with one clearly, you know? Mm. So when I'm improvising with Sentimental Lady, like especially in the first half of our show when we have this whole interview to, to pull so much rich information from and you don't want to – you need to do that justice. You don't yeah. want to make the audience feel like they sat through that for nothing, you right. know? Um, that's really challenging for me. Uh, and the times I hit it, it's very satisfying. But it's very challenging for me to try to figure out how to convey – the scene I want to convey, you know, so again, I'm always just trying to reduce it down to like a very simple emotional interaction because that I can do. I can start off reacting emotionally and tell someone what it is I'm reacting emotionally to. Right. And that's enough to get the game going. Do you also include how they should be acting emotionally? Depends on the game. But yeah, sometimes I'll just be like, you know, like, Herbert, you seem really upset that the orange juice machine is broken, you right. know, and then it's like, okay, great. Then that's, that's, you know, that we've got everything set up and it's obviously going to be a brilliant scene. Yeah, it sounds really good. <laughs> Herbert, sounds incredible the, the orange juice machine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's but it's very challenging for me. You know, like I have a hard time with that. Yeah, there's a lot of information to convey. Yeah, you don't yeah, want to yeah. be corny with your premise line. No, you know, and then also I get trapped in the fucking thing when I'm trying to initiate off an opening where like I'll stand on the back line and like think of something which is a mistake. Nice, mm-hmm. you know, and then come out and be like, "This is gonna fucking kill," and then it never does. Oof. It never does. And Oof. so like what I've started doing is to like really listen to the to the interview and like take in as much information as I can, and then not think of a single initiation, just sort of file away, like, that's a fun idea, that's a fun idea, that's a fun idea. Yeah. Um, and, like, not try to turn it into a scene. And then just as soon as the scene ends and there's, like, a millisecond pause, I'll just force myself to step off the back line and just blurt one of those things that hasn't been used yet. <laughs> um, and then that makes the scenes feel fresh for me in an organic way, but also feels like it honors the information from the opening. So I, I tend to come out with a lot of half ideas and then... Luckily, I'm with good improvisers, so they can flesh them out for me. <laughs> nice. You know? oh, so that's nice. So you don't flesh out your initiation line at all. You no. just have the idea, and then you'll step on stage and organically find the line. Yeah, I'll go that. like, oh, it was funny when that person said that they were afraid of horses, you know, like, <laughs> and I won't, like, set up a whole thing. I'll just come out and be like, I don't like horses, you know, like, and then, <laughs> and then we'll see where it goes, you know. Does the um, audience connect when you do that? Or they're like, he's fucking taking exactly what I know, like, from the opening. I don't know. Sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I think they do. Sometimes they don't. Okay. Sometimes I'm taking something that, like, oh, I'm the only one who noticed that you know like we were doing a show a couple weeks ago um and we were interviewing this girl she was like uh like her guilty pleasures that she liked reading these like weird australian like romance novels about like female james bond (laughs) they're audiobooks they're like audiobooks like fanny mac or something like that (laughs) okay um or like afraid of fanny something something weird something (laughs) exceedingly australian yeah jesus um 
And uh, she had referred to them as chiclet. And we asked her what like other examples of chiclet were. And she just named a bunch of books that were like literature, but with like female protagonists. <laughs> um, and I thought that was pretty funny. So I initiated a scene uh, and I was like, oh, hey, guys, you know, it's the first day of English class. We're going to be going over, over chiclet here. Just want to be very clear. It's not regular literature. It's not nearly as good. It's chiclet, you know, like that sort of thing. Um and I thought it was pretty clear that, like, oh, this was a thing that came up in the opening. But, like, the audience was not on board. And this was maybe also, like, two weeks after the Yes All Women hashtag popped up. Oh, right. So it's like, I, so, you know, in the right. context, I'm doing this in the face of a national conversation about male privilege. And, you know, <laughs> right. like, and like let's all be aware of it. Right. You got to fight back. Yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, uh, you know, so I was doing this scene and like the audience was not responding and I had a student ask me about it and he was like, could you tell the audience wasn't responding? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, why didn't you change what you're doing? I was like, cause that's what I, that's what I was doing. Like that's cause I, I have to commit to it. Like if they're not responding, I'm going to double down on it more. Which fucking is, double down on it. You know? And then finally, like someone on stage is like, you know, yeah, Mr. Thompson or whatever, you know, like you've been teaching differently since your divorce. And then the audience was like, oh, he's divorced. It's, o- <laughs> oh, it's okay that he's a misogynist. He's a sad, pathetic uh, man. It's like, oh, it's justified. It's like, I don't, I don't know if it is. <laughs> we, uh, we had an earlier guest who says the amount of things that can be justified by my wife left me is incredible. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Could, it's like a go-to. Mm-hmm. I can justify right. most behaviors. Yeah, my wife left me. My dad died. My dad like died. it's all those fucking. <laughs> Those fucking go-tos. Yeah, you can get away with anything, really. Yeah, absolutely. But I like scenes like that, even though it's like a, you're put in a kind of a shitty situation because your audience doesn't like your character, you mm-hmm. know, so they may not be responding to you. I mean, I feel like the other people in the scene can really use that to like make your character look horrible, right? And look like a piece of shit. And then the audience would connect with that. Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's just, you have to walk such a fine line in those scenes because, you know, on the one hand, you need your character to be um, easy enough to be around that it's not weird that everyone else in the room hasn't, like, fled from them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, but you also want to make it clear that you don't agree with that character and that you think this character is a dirtbag. Like, that's the whole point. Yeah, Right. So it's like it's a it's a fine line to walk and I I drunkenly stumble along at most times. You know? <laughs> cool, cool. So uh what how do we want to play today? Any uh trying to like I think we should just keep it loose. I mean take a word and go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we we try to play it around. Every now and then we've done a pattern game two or three uh, once mm-hmm. or twice before, mm-hmm. things like that. Premise keepers. Yeah, we've done premise mm-hmm. keepers. Uh let's just take a word and go. Cool? Okay. Uh you I have an app. And you have an app. We both I have, have an apps. App. Wait, you, love apps. You have an app? Yeah, he was using an app all throughout class. Here, it's I'll, great. I'll pimp this app because I like it so much. It's, I think it's just called Word App. Nice. I've had it for years. It's saved me in coaching. <laughs> why, why can't you just think of a... Oh, it's a Word Dot. Oh. I have, I have it's a Justifier. It's oh, similar. that's good too. It's just, it's just why, the same why don't you just like words. think of a word though? That's but. hard. So it's internalized. It's really hard. It should be from the ethos. It's my yeah, favorite. yeah. So like this is like it takes me out of it. You know, like I don't want nice. any of my biases to be creeping into the right. suggestions. Okay, that is super cool. Um, okay, so here, uh, so I'll, we'll just take the next word. Do it. Do okay, it the next Rock word is cheese. Cheese, perfect. <laughs> cheese. Uh, hold the cheese, please. Excuse me. Hold the cheese. I'm not feeling well today. I'll do my regular burger without cheese today. Thank you, Sanford. Um, oh, God. Uh, this is awkward. Uh, we've already... The burgers are all pre-made, and they all have cheese on them. Oh. Perhaps you could remove a slice of cheese off my burger and hand it to me, Sanford? Uh, I... Oh, sir, I am so, so, so sorry about this. I, I mean, no offense, I promise. But the cheese is already melted onto the burger patty, and, and there's also blue cheese crumbled into the to the ground beef itself wow uh to remove the cheese from the patty would require a complete deconstruction of the burger itself and quite frankly we don't have that time before your tea time 
Sanford, I am. I'm going to be honest with you. I am offended. I, I am offended, sir. I am. Please, I beg your forgiveness. You pre-made the burgers. I never, uh, I never knew you were pre-making these burgers. I've been pre-making your burgers for years, sir. What? Yes. I thought these were fresh burgers for burger pre-tea time. They're, well, they, I make them fresh in the morning, but they are pre-made in the morning, and then I heat them up again for your lunch. Sanford. Yes, sir. You're fired. Get out of my face. Excuse me, sir. Take your stuff and get out of my face, sir. I don't care. I don't care that you've been my servant for I, 10 I years. will go get you an, another burger right now. It will take just a few minutes. I can From go. someone else? From someone else's hands? I eat burgers from your hands, Sanford. I thought this was... I thought you I thought you were on my team. I thought you knew what this meant to me. Sir, please. I have nowhere else to go. You can't You can't kick me out. Please. Please. Let, give me a second chance. Is there something else you want for lunch? I'll do a second burger. Uh, sir, are you shitting me right now? <laughs> are you... Sh- no. In fact... You uh, you know the one thing I can't do for you is a second burger. Please, a, a true then second get chance. Get your stuff out of my mansion and get out of here. Go to your tiny room in your quarters, grab all your equipment, and leave. They still have access to the croquet courts? You, on Sundays, you can go to the croquet courts. Sundays? Court. That's when I don't use it. Oh, Monday through Saturday, that's my croquet court. Is that please, clear? Sir, I, I implore you, please, please, just let, let me let me go to, I'll go out to the market. I'll fetch you anything you want. From someone else's hands? <sighs> I want you made it the way I liked it. You made it just the way my mother made it. Pre-made. <sighs> Wait a minute. Did my mother pre-make those burgers? What yes, was yes. It was a. It was because of meat rationing during the war. She had to make all the burgers for all four years of World War II for your father in what? 1939. I thought those were fresh. I guess that was more than four years. She made all those burgers ahead of time, kept them on ice, chilled on ice, and piecrete for you, for your father. Have I never had a fresh burger in my life, Sanford? I don't know that you have, sir. Oh, my God. Sanford, have you ever lived your life thinking one thing but realizing it was a lie? Yeah, it was for, entirely a lie. For a long time, I thought that the Ghostbusters cartoon preceded the film. What? Well... They, it did precede the film. Our no, s- it didn't. No, Ghostbusters, the film, came before the cartoon. I thought it was all based on Arsenio Hall's performance. No, because you would, you would think to yourself, why would Egon look so radically different in the cartoon if it came second? Why wouldn't he look closer to Harold Ramis? But Her- no. Harold Ramis was second choice. No, no, what? Harold Ramis was first choice, sir. What? First choice! It was Harold Ramis all along. I should have known. I think he co-wrote the screenplay. Oh, I'll God. go fetch my things. No. What? No, 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 no. Uh, I'll have someone else fetch your things. That's you deserve that. Wait, there's another servant. Yeah. What? Have hello, boss. You- hello, hello. Sorry, I'm late. What? Who is this limey fuck? Uh, you can call me Richard. Are you, sir? Sir. Have you never met Richard before? I've never met Richard. You thought you were the only servant here this entire time? Where have you been hiding a six-foot-seven red-headed guy with an Adam's apple the size of a pear? Where haven't I been hiding him? Yeah, truly, I've been everywhere, really. The house is quite large. My God. Sanford, I- you haven't been the only servant here in this in this household. Oh, don't forget about me, mister. Been Ouch. hiding out in the chimney, me has. Oh, oh, you. What? Stubbins. Stubbins? <laughs> oh, it's me, Stubbins. Hey, Stubbins, is the chimney clean? Chimney's clean, sir. Cleaned it myself by going up and down and wearing me bristly tutu. Aye, if Stubbins can come out, can I come out as well? Ah, it's the house elf. I've sir, been hiding in the bill. Up top in the castle keep. Okay, Dobby. Now let's go back to the castle. Let's go back up in the keep. We can't have you out. We can't have you out walking around again. Okay? Oi, sir! He came out of the keep because I said, 
me Stubbins has got to clean the bell. Aye. And Dobby said he'd help me out. What about me there? I'm uh, Stubbins' son. Other Stubbins. You keep forgetting about me for years now. I've been cleaning the West Chimney for, oh, eight months now. Um, uh, Mr. Mis- Mr. Barnaby, I'm going to have to talk to you about your, uh, mm. your employees you keep at your mansion. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm from immigration. My name is, uh, Chet Biggles. And, um, I've Thank noticed, you, Mr. Biggles. I noticed that a lot of your employees are possibly, uh, immigrants from other countries that don't necessarily have work permits here. You've noticed that they're possibly immigrants? Yes, I, I, I mean... Where's your proof? I guess, well, I mean... Yes, I, hello, sir. I have brought you your clean shoes you've requested. Uh, they are polished just the way I always polish them when I work for you. I will go with you to the me, car. Excuse me, sir. Um, Dankeschön, yes. Wilfred. Thank you. V- Wilfred, uh, are you a, a citizen here? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. That wasn't yes. very convincing. No, I am citizen. I've never lived in Berlin. Okay. Yeah, never. N- that's not very convincing. I must go before I earn cigarette scars. Hmm. Yeah, well, well, thank you. Glad that. you're doing that, at least. The very least. Well, I noticed you had an elf. You had a small elf. Oh, you saw the house elf? Yeah, I did. It was uh, bounding across the top of your uh, roofs. House elves don't exist, moron. How could I own a house elf? God, I guess you're right. Yep. So, there was no house Excuse elf. Excuse me, it Chet. Wasn't a thing. Chet, yeah. I like, talked about your report you turned in last week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is more. Do you mind if I sit down? No, please, please, please. I'd prefer it. Thank you. This is uh, more akin to a medieval bestiary than any kind of report we normally see here at immigration. I know. I know. It looks crazy. You have pictures here of centaurs, catobapa, yeah. yeah. in uh, chimeras, manticores. Yeah, mainly for reference. Uh, I didn't get a lot of the live pictures, and I know it sounds crazy. It sounds very crazy, Joe. Oh, but I, you gotta believe me. He's got. He's got all of those things at the mansion. Chet, I'm going to say something to you I don't say to very many employees. Can I come with you next time you go check this mansion out? Yes. Because, I mean, I have never seen shit like this. And yeah. I've been working here for like six years. Yeah. Hello? Hello? Can what? I help you guys? Oh, uh, hi. Oh, hey. Hey. Uh, hey. Uh, yeah, we're here on official immigration business. Yeah, we, oh, um, no. Is everything okay? See my clipboard? Um, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Clipboard. That's a pretty sweet clipboard. Yeah. Ignore the, the beers in the back of our truck. We, uh... <laughs> Ignored. We we hear you maybe have a uh, an unregistered manticore here. <laughs> what? I don't even know what that is. Uh, yeah, you know manticore, lion's head, bat wings, scorpion tail, uh, eagle talons. Oh, manticore. Uh, Phil. I just call him Phil. <laughs> hey, oh, Phil. There he is. Holy shit! Oh, oh my god! Hey, Phil. These two guys. Your friend. You have friends at the door. I guess. <laughs> Holy shit! What do you want to do with Phil? Uh, uh, honestly, ride him. Ride him. Yeah, yeah. can we <laughs> ride him away? Hey, hey, now What's there's the got to be respect for Phil. ride him. Do I go to your friends and want to ride your children? That's ridiculous. Uh, look, uh, sorry, I forgot we're here on a <laughs> official, official business. Official business. Sorry, the uh, the government needs you to let us ride this manticore. So. <laughs> on what decree? Uh, the third. Yeah, third decree. <laughs> Damn it. Anyways, third decree gets me every time. Yep. Okay. Well, here we go. Wee. <laughs> <laughs> Flying and soaring through the night Chet and his boss on a manticore Who could ever rest for anything more Flying over the river they do Jesse, turn off the television! I told you, you're watching too much smut Mom! You I need to wash your hands, you need to clean your fingernails So that we can have some dinner, okay? Before your dad gets home Mom, but I'm watching my favorite show yeah, well, it's just cartoons. I tell you what, you can watch a little bit more, but I need you to wash your hands first. Oh man, stupid mom always making me have clean hands to watch cartoons. Hey, what? I am stupid, okay? I scored very low on my IQ tests, and you know that. Sorry, mom. 
That's a point of... Didn't mean to be pejorative about it. I was just trying to be matter-of-fact. What does that mean? Oh, mom, stupid mom. Not knowing SAT words like pejorative. What is pejorative? Does that mean a majority? The opposite of majority? No, mom. It means using it in a negative connotation. Oh, I don't like your tone of voice. Well, I don't like you making me wash my hands, mom. Well, your hands are filthy. Honey, I'm home. <gasps> ah. Devin's home. Dad! Ah, the bus route was a heck of a draw. It's terrible today. God. Uh, show me your hands. Uh, oh, what? Go clean your hands. Dad! Go clean your hands. Oh. This is a clean hands house. Okay. Uh. Wow, that work sounds amazing today. That was terrible. Oh, wow. Was it? Oh, just, you know, you know the usual person I pick up on 3rd Street. He kept yakking and yakking at me all day. Yeah. Oh, God, if I have to hear one more sentence from that guy, I'm going to shoot myself. Don't do that. I'm not going to do that. Please don't do that. Okay, hands are clean. I'm just going to go back to watching cartoons. (laughs) Okay. Are you okay with him watching this smut? As long as the hands are clean, I'm fine. Totally clean. Good. Okay, Good anyways, just going to watch cartoons. All right, well, I was hoping that you could help me form the meat. We're, we're forming a lot of meat in the household, and that's why I wanted your hands so clean. Uh, Today's meat forming Tuesday, son. You're uh, what? What's wrong with me? I meat didn't form? really clean my hands. What? Oh, oh my God, hands. they're dirtier uh, than before. You added dirt to them. What uh, did you do? I'm rebelling. Oh, <sighs> you and your pet dirt. What's what? It's ridiculous. Dirt's not dead, Dad. It has tons of life in it. There's bacteria and worms and little bugs. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know I'm a simple is. man who drives a bus. I don't understand what that means. Dirt is just dirt to me. Oh, you got... I hate you guys. Oh, it's a strong word. Oh, my God. He hates us. Who taught him he that word? He just walked out the front door, too. <laughs> Whoa, oh. Uh, let's, let's give him 30 minutes. Oh, no! Oh, no. The bus! Stick him the bus. He's driving off. Oh, my God. Did I hit a kid? Fuck, fuck, fuck. Yuri, this is no good. We must leave, for there is child all over your windshield. Quickly, quickly. We are in such deep shit for this. Fucking deep shit. There is no way the commissar will let us drive bus again after we have this terrible accident. It's okay, Sergei. We will wipe the kid off the front. Yuri, there is dent in the front that is shaped like kid. Mm. We are so fucked. What is what is what is that up in in sky? What is that in sky over there? I mm, can't remember the difference between chimera and manticore. Mm. Which one has the goat growing out of its ass? Uh, is it a chimera, I believe. Did, okay, uh, yes. Manticore? So then that would be a manticore. Manticore flying, flying so high, high so through flying the sky. Through the sky. Manticore is a manticore. 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 Flying through in the Russian bus. <laughs> no! We are so fucked. Fuck. Knock, knock, knock. Hello. INS. Yes. Uh, I'm here on official business. Oh. Can I see your papers? Yes, of course you may see my papers. I have Wall Street Journal and New York Times. Oh, I'm on a short fuse today. Don't get cute with me, buddy. Not trying to be cute. You ask me for newspapers, I give you newspapers. Sir, Yuri, for- quick, go hide all the things we've done wrong. Quick, here is the uh, the proof, the evidence. I put the evidence, excuse me, sir. The, the evidence in the trunk over here. Put the little uh, remains of the child under the seat. Okay, I didn't I- realize he was going to narrate. I feel like now. <laughs> I just have to come clean. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I haven't listened to a word you said, so really? don't worry about it. We're good. Here, read my newspaper then. Uh, you can do the word jumbles. I've not yet completed it because English is my second language. Ah, ooh. Not from America, I see. Oh, no, from mm, America. I just grew up in South Boston. Had to relearn how to speak because I was dropping my R's. Ah, Southie. 
Interesting. Yes. Still, the accent comes through once in a while, normally when I am back home with high school chums. <laughs> once a Southie, always a Southie, right? Yes. I would know. I'm from Maine. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I just came here to see if you guys had any, you know, historical creatures of any kind. Historical oh, creatures? Historical no, creatures? No, no, no. We Fantastical. No, we have, uh, we have very many little terrier dogs. We love, we love dressing them up in fanciful costumes. No manticores, no chimeras, no. How many heads are on the terriers? Three. Yeah, no, no, no. This is a caveman's terrier. I want to ride it. Honestly, you don't trust me. He will bite your taint and balls. I mean, you're welcome to try. Can I try? Yeah, yes. yes. Yes, you may. <laughs> ah, my chain falls! Kerberos, Kerberos, tearing out your anus. Kerberos, make way, make way! This is the ER! Make way, make way! This guy's had his taint and balls torn out! Dear God, this is the third time this week someone's had their taint and balls torn out by a three headed dog. What the world we live in today? It's a goddamn epidemic. Nurse, I need 30 cc's of morphine. Stat. Mm. Coming right up. Nurse, your tits are hanging are out today. <laughs> oh, that you guys are being a little inappropriate now. No, I'm I just don't... a nurse at a hospital now. No, but, oof, damn, my God, uh, Jesus, look at you. You're making me feel really uncomfortable, you guys. Okay, all right, sorry. Okay, sorry we got to fix this guy. Yeah, fuck, yeah. Fuck, fuck, nurse, I'm going to need a couple of sutures. Oops, I dropped the. Hold on, I dropped the pen. I'll, let no, me she, pick that up. She doesn't have any underwear on. Whoa. Oh, nurse. Yeah? I can see your hoo-ha. Hey, now, that's my hoo-ha. It's not an appropriate thing. Sorry, I just, you're very alluring today, nurse. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Speak about you. Well, I'm just dressed like a nurse, so. Oh, God. Oh, tourniquet, tourniquet, tourniquet. Oh, he's bleeding. Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, sorry. Uh, nurse, I need a saline drip stat. We need to help this guy replenish his fluids. <laughs> I'll get you a drip. Okay. See, that was I mean, overtly sexual. Yeah, like that was. Overtly I'm sexual handing today. you a drip. I don't. Here's your saline drip. I don't, I don't understand know. why you guys are uh, uh, objectifying me. Okay. Hashtag yes to all women. I'm allowed to be a nurse. I'm allowed to be sexy. I'm allowed to not be objectified. Okay. All right. Sorry. Let's get back to this guy. Yes. Uh, nurse, I'm going to need you to run down supply closet, pick me up a prosthetic taint and balls. Oh. <laughs> It'll be just drenched and wet. This. Because it's raining. Oh, oh, you know my mind. Went. I just, I instantly. The windows, uh, windows open. I thought you were saying closet. that you'd be so sexually aroused yeah. by holding a fake ball. Why and would you taint. say that? I don't know. That's I don't know. Who's aroused that? by a taint? That's honestly, across. that's on me. That nobody me. enjoys a perineum. Yeah, I, oh. I do. Beep. Um. See. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that, they go down. that more or less how that goes. Uh, uh, like that, yeah. I love when you can see all this rich philosophy I have just come to the fore in perfect execution. Yeah, oh, that's always such a thrill for me that to, to improvise with somebody. Improvise yeah, with you're a fucking master. Yeah. Oh, so thanks, good. guys. It's very kind of you to say. Yeah. I hope you had a decent time. I did. I got to sing about manticores. <laughs> so good. I got to fuck it up. Uh, yeah. Oh uh, no, you kept it going. Sing, yeah, that was. I got to do like several silly voices. So yeah. it's, it's a good day Which for me. Which is great. I, I wish people could see the faces you were making with those voices they were fucking amazing (laughs) but actually going back to what you were talking about the first scene was so fucking grounded it was so grounded and real Totally. Yeah, my thing is like if it matters to them it matters to the audience you yeah. know like so even though it's just a fucking cheeseburger if these guys place importance on it it has importance in the extreme world. importance it's been defined as and such. the relationship was extremely important mm-hmm. to them and had consequences you know mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. dug that that was fucking cool yeah you mentioned uh, the other day in class about a personal stakes and how really yeah. serious people can be about certain things that we don't give a shit about but it doesn't matter it's important to them yeah yeah and that's just always enthralling to watch yeah that's I'm so much more interested like you know I 
I, I, this is going to be repeat for you, Stefan, but, um, you know, in Heralds, when you get to the third beats and it's always like space, Jesus, the president, you know, and it's these things that, <laughs> <laughs> it's these things that like we've all agreed societally, society, man, um, <laughs> that have this like huge, you know, objective importance or like, you know, yeah. the subjective like emotional stakes to them when really it's like the emotional stakes are important. Whether or not it's something everybody agrees on is not. And I'm much more interested when it's not a kind of stakes I've been exposed to before, you know, when it's like, I'm so much more interested in seeing a character who is really concerned that his eyebrows are symmetrical than I am like about seeing a character who's like trying to protect the president. It's like, I can, yeah. like I've run into one of those scenarios before. And even if I don't know the exact details of that scene, I kind of, you know, I'm just enough of an asshole. And I think most improv audience members mm-hmm. think the same way. They're like, eh, I get it. Yeah. You know, but when I see something I fundamentally don't get, I get curious about it and that draws me into the show. Is that like the difference between someone heightening to like surgery? Like we're in surgeries, which is something that's classically very important and serious and like trying for the surgeon. Rather, either that compared to someone who's trying to figure out how to put together an Ikea chair and putting all the emotional value. Yeah, kind of, honestly, you know, like because it's that sort of thing where it's like it's easy to... It's easy to be like, okay, hey, you know, uh, like we're in surgery. We've got to like, you know, remove a tumor from this guy. And if we don't, he's going to die. Like those stakes are something that are very easy to convey, yep. very easy for everyone to wrap their heads around. Mm-hmm. But also because of that, they're very common and they're very overused. Tried. You know, like whereas it's much more like, you know, if oh God, if I can't get this Ikea bed assembled, I won't be able to bring a woman home to my apartment for another three days. You know, like, <laughs> like that's so much more wow, interesting to me. It's close to home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I've been there. I got, the, I got king size mall, man. I know Ooh, how it goes. Fuck yeah, got dude. those big LA bedrooms. <laughs> oh, I assembled so it years ago. Jelly. I'm still waiting for that lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Any day now, like moths to the flame. If I read the blog correctly, she'll it hear be... an adult, a, an improviser who makes nearly $500 a week with flat pack furniture in his apartment. Where do I sign up? Hey, <laughs> That's a future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna hitch my horse to that wagon. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. So this is sort of the, the moment where we ask, like, uh, uh, if we can to try like take a step back and say, like, if you were like, if you get, if you're like the coach of that set, or or or, or just informally, whatever it is, like, what kind of what kind of notes would you give, or what kind of things you see in that set? Where you're just like, this moment, uh, there could have been maybe an improvement in this moment, in that moment, or this was a thing, that was a thing. Uh, like just overall, yeah. just like any sort of notes or anything. Yeah, know. or maybe even like less stakes, just like reflecting back. Yeah, just reflect. Let's just reflect. Yeah, because yeah. like, it's so tough for me because like, I'm in it. Right, yeah, that's, yeah. That's you know, and thing. like, you know, like Convoy's never had a coach and Sentimental Lady no longer has a coach. So, you know, my <laughs> thing is also to go like, well, like any notes I have, I tend to give to myself when I'm in a set, you know, and then right. it's like, but I, I thought these things were fun, you know, so like, I thought, for instance, it was a really fun expansion of the world. Um, you know, when we started meeting like all the other um, like servants and stuff, I thought it was like a really fun move because that really blew out that world a lot and gave us a lot of options of somewhere to go next. And I thought that that like you know really played into the rhythm that seemed like okay, like this game is maybe not like completely at its end, but like we need to start expanding this world so that we can find more ways to play it, and that yeah. led us to like a whole nother new set of things um explore a little bit you know likewise along those lines i liked it won't just because i fucking love mythology and stuff <laughs> dude uh, your terminology i was like fuck that's i've like never heard level. of Mant- what is a manticore so manticore has a scorpion this is what you get when you trade in your uh, you know social time with women in high school for playing <laughs> it's advanced dungeons and dragons right. second yeah. edition <laughs> i really when i was a sophomore in high school i used to know the monstrous manual from ad and d so well that you could name any monster in it and i could tell you what was on the page Page facing it. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, so my dick got wet rarely, yeah. um, <laughs> slash not at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a manticore, and I might be fucking this up, but I think a manticore has like a lion's torso and head, okay. and then an eagle's talons in the rear, a scorpion's tail and bat wings. That sounds great. And Fuck. then I think a chimera is, um, it's a a lion's head with a goat's head on its on its back, and then a sn- or no a snake for a tail and a goat's head like in the middle of its back, basically. What is the what purpose does the goat head serve? Uh, I don't just know. To be a gut badass goat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it rams people once in a while. Yeah, sure. Um, Chimera is a common term too, based on that to use for like um, like bad things. Like yeah, yeah, like things that are like just kind of like mashed up. You yeah, know, like most Franken foods are chimeras. Oh, you know? interesting. Um, like the car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I drive was, a pretty sweet Camaro. It's part Jeep, part Volkswagen. Yeah, it doesn't run, but it's pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I thought, like, the, you know, I love the support on, like, the song singing because it's just, like, such a fun, weird move. And, you know, <laughs> I'd say, if anything, like, you know, for me personally, I get so thrown when I do improv that's audio only that I yes. forget to. I take for granted, you know, like you're saying, like I'm making all these faces, but it's like, you know, you convey so much information about what your character's doing with your body language and your facial expressions. And I forget, that's so natural to me because I do it on stage so much right. that I forget, like you have to put so much more into like every, every little word needs an inflection when you're, when you're just doing it vocally. And I, I, I was forgetting to do that for most of the time. Um, I like the voices though. Dead yeah, on. Was great. Good Russian accent. Yeah, I've, been, really I've been working good. on that Russian accent since college. I think I finally <laughs> nice. cracked it. It's a hard accent, isn't it? It's honestly, Russian's one of the ones I can do better now because I have like a couple of words in my head I can say, like Russian wise, like Gruboyadov and Borscht, you know, like, and then yes. you just fall into it. Right. I learned a trick recently that I've been telling everybody where um, if you want to do an Australian accent and you want to figure out all the vowel shifts, um, you say the, the phrase in English or in American, rise, like, you know, sunrise up like up elevator and then lights like you know lights and that's razor blades so you just say rise up lights oh rise like up that's, lights. oh wow that's right so like cool. like and like i'm not trying to put on an australian action i'm just saying rise up lights you know like and it sounds like razor <laughs> razor blades wow that's fucking pro um, you really know nice. so i'm gonna get some rise up lights and shave my face <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, that, so getting that phrase just gets you in the moment yeah of going into an action. yeah I, I need a phrase so like you know german I, i'm starting i'm starting to be able to do an okay german accent i still need, good german still need to work on it it comes and goes yeah. like <laughs> french is really tough for me yeah russian i can do um, pretty reliably. Swedish, I can slip into once in a while if I <laughs> need to. Chef. I, Scottish, I can kind of do. Irish is really tough for me. Scott, it's funny. Scottish to me Scottish seems is way like, more difficult than see, Irish. Scottish is so throaty, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, Ireland is like a little bit more of a vowel shift, a little bit more of a lilt, you know, like, it's <laughs> it's more it's a more tender accent, yeah. you know. Yeah. All mine end up just being Jamaican. Kind of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it devolves slowly yeah. to Jamaican. And then I also add mun at the end of everything. <laughs> that doesn't help. That yeah. doesn't help at all. It doesn't help yeah, at all. Yeah. It's the opposite. Because I'm an asshole and I do stereotypes. <laughs> there you go, man. It's your bread and butter. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 yeah, I'm always super duper in my head. Like when I play, whenever I make a choice, I'm like, is that the right choice? Is that what's going on? Like, so, so when you say you're in your head, you're like, like before you make a choice, you're in your head, or after you make it, you're second guessing. After I make it, I second guess. Yeah, that's very because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I make choices. I'm fine with that. Sure, my instinct to make a choice is fine. I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, machinery but like for instance when he came out and to me i thought oh dobby the house elf from harry potter Mm -hmm. so i said oh dobby you're just a house elf and then when i was done with that i'm like did that kind of fuck things up a little bit because we were just being real people and now turning to a house elf changes everything Mm -hmm. because now it's like mystical creatures exist you know what Mm -hmm. i mean which i guess we used and went on but i'm like ah fuck i should have that wasn't 
that wasn't the game. It wasn't what we were doing. What we're doing is just old Cockney chimney sweeps and stuff. What we're doing is just a series of different stereotypical British um, help, right? Mm. So when I did that, I changed it a little bit. And I thought to myself, is that going to kind of fuck things up? No, I don't think you changed it, though. Like, I don't see it that way. Like, I see it as like, you know, until... Well, the fun thing about improv is until a reality is denied, it's there, right? Mm, like, right. Wow. So it's like you think of like... Uh, uh, I think, I can't remember if it's Rodin or if it was uh, some other sculptor, but like someone asked someone like, oh, how did you, it might have been Michelangelo. They're like, you know, how did you make this famous sculpture? And he's like, well, I started with a big block of rock and I just chipped away all the parts that didn't look like a sculpture, you know, like, (laughs) but it's like with improv like that until someone specifically says like, oh, by the way, there's only Cockney people in this world. There are no house elves or fantastical things. Those things exist. Like you have to, the, the, the reality is negatively defined, right? You have to like continually parse it away and see these things don't exist. And until they do, until someone does that rather, those things are just as real as anything else in an improv scene, you know? So that's why it's like a fun discovery and not like, you know, just like a what, you know, it's it's like, Oh, right. Sure. Why can't those things exist? Great. Let's follow that now. You know, in your mind, is there a certain time through throughout a set where you're like, it's just too late to throw in something like that no. or is it always game no 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 you got to do i i try not to think during a set because like you can't at the end of the day you know like i can i can talk theory like all day long and like i spend way too much time thinking about it but when you're in the moment you got to go with your gut you yeah, know shoot from the hip yeah yeah you know and like the whole point of doing all that thinking when you're not on stage is to shape your instincts you know so that when you are on stage you don't need to think right, right. like you know uh, an example i use sometimes is like you know, where I'll, I'll, use, I'll talk about World Cup now because that's like a fucking thing. But um, uh, it's evidently a sport <laughs> most of the world enjoys. Oh, yeah. um, but, uh, you know, it's like those guys playing soccer, like no one is sitting there on the fucking field, you know, when like, you know, there's like a German dude coming down on the goal or whatever going like, okay, well, you know, he's coming from this angle and I learned in soccer practice right. that when somebody <laughs> right. shoots towards the top, I should go to the other side and jump across. You know, like they don't think that. They just, no. they just, re- they just react. Right. But the reason they're able to react is because they've spent countless, 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 countless hours training their muscle memory to do that, you know? Yeah. So the same thing with improv. Like, you got to train your mental muscle memory to do that, and then you can just react on stage. So, yeah. like, you know, in answer to your question, like, there's not a point in a show where I think it's too late for that because I'm never thinking about what point in the show I'm at. Yeah. Which is good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The U.S. will win the World Cup. Good point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really good point. I like that. Yeah, we, we made it out of the group of death. You know, we're in good shape. Now it's time for the knockout round of life. Yeah, I mean, I'll take it. You know, like, uh, fuck it. We made it through on a goal differential technicality, yeah. but I'll take it. Fuck you, Portugal. Yeah, yeah. Germany, Portugal, and Ghana. Fuck Portugal has two freedom days. We have 365. Eat a dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, cool, dude. That sounds great. Um, but on that, we're actually after um, after this, we're actually heading uh, to watch some World Cup highlights. I got this sort of big screen back at my place. Oh yeah, uh, we watch World Cup. We have surround sound. I've got uh, a grill going on, so we got hot dogs with things. Do you want to come over and watch like World Cup highlights? Uh oh, uh that's that's very kind of you, but I, I yeah. have stuff to do today, so I can't. Oh, we could push it back. We could like record the game for you. Yeah, um, there's actually no games on today, so we could maybe do it tomorrow when the games are on. Brazil versus Chile is tomorrow. Uh, uh, no, I, uh, uh, no, tomorrow I'm I'm busy. I'm bi- I have uh, I have a meeting. I have a meeting tomorrow that I have oh. to go to. So oh, yeah, very serious. All day, yeah. all day. Oh my meeting, god, day is everything meeting, okay? Probably. Um, yeah, it's fine. I just um. You know, I have to meet with a parole officer, so... Here in New York? Um, Don't you live in L.A.? 
I do. I do. Uh, I I do live in LA. That's yes. That's a good point. That's a great point. Um, but uh, my parole is in New York. So <laughs> totally. You know, I understand. I'm so. not a lawyer. I don't understand it. You know, yeah, I just go to the meetings. So, uh, so um, but thank you so much for the offer. So cool. just too bad it can't happen. So, uh, yeah. Rain, rain check maybe. What's that? Rain check. Um. Uh. I um. Uh. Okay. Rain check. Okay. That's Damn been it. improv noise. Damn it. <laughs> Fuck We've got me. your rain check. You're coming, my friend. <laughs> fucking got uh, you, dude. The fucking awesome. Damn it. Son of a bitch. We got it. We finally got a guy. <laughs> All right. That has been improv noise. Thank you very much to our super duper cool guest, Mr. Alex Bird. Fucking awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. My co host, Brad Kula. Yes. And across from me, uh, Stefan Schutter. Stefan Schutter. Our killer sound engineer, Mr. Joe Leonardo. Yeah. Special thanks to Hard Left Productions for the song it. I Do Improv, our outro. Right. Uh, and special thanks to the universe and you listeners. So peace out and keep making it up. Get them. Get them. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
organic mechanic This scene is fucking magic The laughter is gigantic The audience love my antics Which is why I'm such an addict